and eternal God. Still within uh, the theme of what we're looking at, knowing the God that we uh, we worship. And I'm sure that um, for those who have been following us, we've looked at worshiping a holy God. We've looked at the faithfulness of God. That was last Sunday. And all this is just helping us to see not just who God is, but what it means to us. If I know that God is holy, it affects how I relate to him. If I know that he's faithful, then when I'm going through troubles and trials, it's easier for me to know that God's faithfulness will never fail me. And here we have an eternal God, the one that we worship. So I'll read a verse of scripture and then we will try and explore this briefly and see what it means uh, to us as Christians. So Psalm 90 and verse 2, and this is what the scripture says. He says, before the mountains we are brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, he says, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon our lesson this morning. And help us, Lord, to see that you are truly an eternal God. And help us, Lord, not just to see it, but to apply this into our everyday lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Uh, someone might ask this morning that what has eternity got to do with God or knowing the God uh, that we worship? And I'm going to tell us why, because I think this is very important for us this morning. We all know that we live in a world um, that is obviously controlled by time and clocks. And everything, all of our experiences is lived out in time. There was a day that I was born. There was a day that you were born. Everything, the day that you got married, the day that I got married, the day I had a child, and everything about our lives is linked with time. And so because that's the case with every one of us, it's so difficult sometimes for us to understand this concept of God's eternity. But when you go to the Bible, you see that actually in the scriptures, the Bible clearly tells us that God is an eternal, and not only an eternal God, but he is also an everlasting God. And that's why we want to see what that means for us as Christians uh, this morning. I've noticed that there are, especially when you're talking to new Christians, those who have just given their life to Christ, some actually find it extremely difficult to understand the concept of God's eternity. When you try to explain to them, you know what, God is eternal, that God has always been, that God never, even before the creation, God has been, and there will never be a time that God will stop to see. Some struggle and wrestle with this subject. But then when you compare it to some other things that they believe, you wonder why is the subject of eternity so difficult for some to understand or for some to fully embrace. And like I said, the answer is very simple. When you give your heart to the Lord or when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, most of your experiences, like I said, is lived out in time. Every single thing about your life is lived out in time. And now you are confronted with a God who is saying to you, I'm outside of time. I have always been, and there will never be a time that I will cease to exist. And this is where the problem starts for most people. But for us, when we come into the scriptures, the scriptures not only tell us who God is, but what the scripture does is that it shows us the kind of God that we worship. And that's why this subject is very important, not only for us as a church, 
but also for me, even as a person in my relationship with God. If I know him to be an eternal God, it has implications for me in the life I'm living now and in the life there will be afterwards. So what we want to see is God and his eternity. What does it mean for us? Like I said, in the scriptures, especially if you go to the book of Isaiah, we're going to see a scripture that tells us something about God's eternity. And God's eternity for us simply means that God exists endlessly. He exists endlessly. So as far back that you can look, or maybe as far forward as you can look, you will see God. There was never a time that God was not, and there will never be a time that God will cease to exist. That means that he is forever and ever. He's eternal. So he has no beginning, and he as well has no end when it comes to time. We talk about God being omnipresent. What that simply means is that he has no limit as to space. We talk about God being omniscient. What that means is he has no limit as to his knowledge. That means he knows everything. So when we talk about him being eternal, what we are saying is that he exists endlessly outside of time. And in that scripture in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15, I'm just going to read that to us quickly. For some reason, um, the, uh, the screen uh, blanked out, so you may have to just follow uh, in the reading. So in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15, it says, For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity. You see, this is a description of God. Who inhabits in eternity. Whose name is holy. You know, we saw that about God again. It says, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So you can see, this is the prophet Isaiah telling us that this is who God is. Not only is he holy, not only have we seen that this God is a faithful God who never lets his own people down, but this God, he says, is eternal, who inhabits eternity. And so when we come to the scriptures, like I've said, we are confronted with God's eternity. So what we make out of the eternal God is left for us. It's possible for me to know that God is eternal and yet not take advantage of God's eternity to transform my life as a person. It's possible for someone to come to church Sunday after Sunday and still lack that knowledge that actually there is something about eternity that he or she needs to embrace that can literally change and affect how you relate to God. So there are a few things I just want to share with us quickly this morning which I would call some of the truths about God's eternity. And the first thing we need to know when we talk about the eternity or eternal, eternal God or God's eternity is that God existed before time began. This is the first truth we need to establish. God existed before time began. We know the uh, popular scripture in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And what does he say in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1? He says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that for some people in our world today, this is a very difficult scripture to understand. They look at all of creation and everything that we see as we see it. And they don't see that there is a God who created, and not only created, but a God who lives outside, out of time. And in Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning, God created. You wonder what beginning is the Bible talking about? It's talking about not the beginning of God, 
Because what we are saying, of course, is that God has no beginning. But the God who exists outside of time, now created, that's why he says, in the beginning of the world, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's why I said sometimes is a concept that even so-called people who don't believe in God struggle to understand. How did the world come about? But the Bible tells us this is how it came about. There was someone who existed outside of time, who was not created, who stepped out and then he made all things. And by him, as the scripture tells us, all things we are made. So the first place to begin is to understand that God exists outside, out of time. If I don't begin from that truth, then everything falls apart. It will be difficult for me to embrace and to understand the eternal nature of God. The second thing that we need to embrace when we talk about the eternity of God is that God exists in the past, he exists in the present, And he exists in the future, but all at the same time, when we talk about the eternity of God. Now, that's slightly a difficult concept as well for some people to understand. Like I said, everything about us is lived in time. We live our lives in what you might call a linear plane. Like I said, it's all about history, sequence of events. I was born, I got married, there was a time I was in school, I had children, a day will come when I will cease to be. And that is history, the story of my life. And then, but then the Bible is trying to say to us, but there is a God who not only exists in the past, yet we knew him in the beginning, God created. But that same God exists in the present. And that same God also exists in the future, but he exists in all these three levels, all at the same time. So it has implications for me as a Christian. Because what that simply means for me is that though God was in my past, that same God is in my present. And that same God will be in my future. And even when my future comes to an end, that God will never cease to exist. So you can see how it creates some level of confidence knowing that you serve a God who is not bound by time, who is not bound by history, who steps out of history and then he begins to orchestrate all the events that we see in our world today. Let us remember Jesus Christ. If you remember Jesus and the Pharisees, this was a statement that Jesus Christ made about the eternal nature of God. And he was referring to himself. And the Pharisees were mad when Jesus Christ tried to say this. For those who remember this scripture in the book of John chapter 8. And there was a conversation going on with Jesus and the Pharisees. And look at John chapter 8 from verse 48 and see what Jesus had to say to them. And I love this dialogue so much. In John chapter 8 from verses 48 to verse 59, and I'll read from verse 48. It says, Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? They were making reference to referring to Jesus. And look at verse 49. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. And verse 53 tells us, it says, are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? They were asking Jesus. And the prophets who are dead, 
Who do you make yourself out to be? In other words, they're looking at Jesus and saying, Who do you think you are? Questioning his identity. And look at verse 54, the answer that Jesus gave them. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. And in verse 55 says, Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I know but I do know him and keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. And verse 57 says, Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And then verse 58, great verse of scripture, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. And then look at verse 59, their reaction. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So they looked at Jesus and they thought that Jesus was a blasphemy. Because how can he say that he existed even before Abraham? And this is God, through Jesus, trying to show them the very nature of God. That he is uncreated in the sense that he has existed even before time and that the person standing before them is God in human flesh. That's why he says before Abraham, I am. In their limited understanding and their sense, they just could not understand it. And the Bible says they picked up stones and they were about to to throw uh, it at Jesus. But Jesus hid himself and went out the temple going through the midst of them and he passed them by. So you can see the implications of what it means to be eternal. Because for me as a Christian, when I'm going through very difficult times, which we all do, and which sometimes some of us might go through it more than others, we have to remember that God sees the present and the future at once. And that's what we are talking about. Because if I say that he exists in the past, he exists in the present, and he exists in the future. So that tells me that he sees it all at once. It's like a man who says, I can see the full picture. I see your past, I see your present, and I can also see your future. So that means that my present may be filled with difficulties. But the future contains the solution to the problem that I am going through. As a person, though I cannot see it, but God sees it. So that means that you must not give up when things look tough and rough. Just because you cannot find an answer to the things that you're going through, or because the situation looks tough, like I said, tough, and you look to the past, you look to the present, and you look to the future, it seems that you cannot see an answer. When you think about God's eternal nature, it will remind you of something. It will remind you that that God is there with you in the present. That God sees your future. That even before you get to the future, that God already is there with and for you. And we have to trust him that he is the one leading us to a future that will eventually work out, like the Bible says, together even for our good. So you can see how that knowledge of the eternity, the eternal God affects me and I will affect you when you are going through troubles or when you are going through trials. And that's why the Pharisees looked at Jesus and they said, how old are you? You're just 50 something. And you're telling, you're not even up to that. They were saying, you're not even up to 50. And you're saying to us that before Abraham, that you have already existed. 
And that is what happens when we try to look at God with our limited sense of understanding. We cannot comprehend eternity. But Jesus Christ came and says to us, this is what it means to be eternal. This is what it means to serve a God who is eternal. The third thing we need to see when we talk about God's eternity is that God created time. So not only are we saying that he exists outside of time, not only are we saying that he exists in my present, in my past, and also in the future at the same time, but this God created time. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, I think this is from verses 14 to verse 19. We're not going to read it because of our time. But you will see the description of God putting the sun and the moon in the heavens. And the Bible says this was to divide the day from the night for signs and for seasons and for the days and for the years. So God was creating our concept or our human understanding of time. And so what that tells me is that not only that is this God dwelling outside of time, but this God actually created time not for himself, but for me as human. So when I was born, God knows exactly how long I'm going to be here on earth. When you came into this world, there was a time frame marked out for every single one of us. So having an understanding that God created time actually tells me that the time that I have, I ought to do something with that time. And it calls for me to ask myself questions like, how exactly am I living in the present time frame that I've got? Do you know that there are people in our world today, some of us, we see this all the time, who live their lives as if they've got all the time in the world? Because they're not thinking about eternity. They are not looking at God and seeing that actually God created time. It's like a man who has created something and has given it to you and says, make good use of what you've got. And so when I know that God created time, it calls me to reflect. I may live on this life 70, I may be 80, I may be 90, I may be 100, but the crucial question is what am I doing with the time that God has given me? Because it's not for him. He exists outside of time, but he has created time, the day and the night, the seasons that we have, so that we can work, as the scripture says, while it is day, for a time will come when no man can work again. Are you redeeming the time? You remember Paul speaking to the Ephesian Christians in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. What did Paul say to them? He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He didn't say redeeming the time because God needs the time. He didn't say redeeming the time because if you don't redeem it, then God will cease to be God. God is God, but then he has given us the time and he says, you have to use it right. One of the things that actually touched my heart uh, when I came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it was that concept of time. I looked over my life, how I had lived for the time, the years I didn't know Jesus as Lord. And now that he's coming to my heart, I started asking myself, there must be something God wants me to do with the time that I've got. There must be something God wants me to do with the rest of humanity, with my brothers and sisters, wherever I found myself, with the time that God has given me. And that's when I started asking God questions. What is the purpose of my salvation? Yes, I know a day will come when I will spend time and eternity with you, but what exactly do you want me to do? Of course, before God spoke into my heart and told me exactly what he was calling me to do. So time is for us. 
and we have to redeem that time. The fourth thing that we know about time and God or God's eternity is not only that he created time, but God controls time. And I think that this is a very important truth for us. He created the time, but he controls time. Now, you may not fully understand why this is very important, but for some of us here, I will explain this to us, and maybe that might remind you of something. We know that when someone says, I'm an atheist, in other words, I don't believe in God, so that simply means that in his mind and his consciousness, he doesn't believe in God. But there are others that you call deists. And the deist believes in God, but he has a different concept of God in relation to time. And this is what the deist will say. The deist will tell you that, yes, I believe in God, but the kind of God that I believe in is like a watchmaker, you know, who goes, takes up a beautiful piece of um, maybe metal and pieces and then puts them all together, you know, like the Swiss watchmakers or whatever wristwatch that you've got on. And so after he has made the watch, he tells you the time. But then the watchmaker does not interfere with the running of the wristwatch or the clock. And so what the watchmaker does is that he takes his hands off it and says, let time run by itself. And so whatever you're going through in life, whatever that is happening to you, you are in control of your life. And God has taken his hands off not just creation, but every single one of us. And so we are allowed to run our lives by ourselves. And that's what the deist will say to us. But that goes against everything that we have in scripture. God has not created the world and said, well, I've taken my hands of it. I've taken my hands of time. Let things run by themselves. The Bible clearly tells us that we are not serving a clockmaker kind of God, but we are serving a God who controls time. And that's why when you go to the book of Psalm 39 from verses 4 to verse 5, you will see it clearly explained. Because God knows not only the time of my birth, he knows the events of my birth, and he knows the time of my death. And every of these events is controlled by the God who gave me life. Look at Psalm 39 and verse 4. He says there, Lord, make me to know my end. This is the psalm he's crying. He says, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. And look at verse 5. He says, indeed, you have made my days as hand breath. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. And I love verse, uh, the next verse of scripture, which is in Psalm 139. If you read from verse 13 to verse 16, listen to what he says again. He says, for you formed my inward parts. This is a man recognizing that actually God is in control of time and his life. He says, you covered me in my mother's womb. And verse 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. He's saying my soul knows this. You can't talk me out of this. I know that God made me. He controls my life. Everything about me is in his hands. And look at verse 15. He says my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret. He said unskillfully rough in the lowest parts of the earth. And verse 16 says. says your eyes saw my substance. Being yet unformed. So you can see how he's confessing that God knows everything about the time, not only of his birth, but how he was formed in the mother's womb. And he says, in your book, they are all written. The day is fashioned for me, when as yet there were none for me. 
And there are lots of other scriptures that tell us this, that God is in control of every aspect of our lives. There are people today who think that their life have got no meaning, that they are just born to exist, live, and then die, and that's it, that God is not involved in human affairs. But I've come to remind us again that the God of the universe, the eternal God, not only the holy and the faithful God, but the God that is eternal, who dwells outside of time, who created time for us, he's saying to us that he sees every aspect of our life. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. That means before I came into this world, God knew I was going to be born. Before I came to Liverpool, God knew I was going to be here. Before I got married, God knew that was going to happen. Even the things that we see, and we see around us, and we think, well, how could this be happening? God knew exactly that those events will unfold. He's in control of time. Sometimes how we want things to unfold may not be how God wants to have it to unfold for us. But still, we need to remind ourselves that God is in control of my times. And this is why I can go to bed in the night and have a good night's sleep. Because no matter what happens, I look up to God and I say, you know what? God is in control of my times. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to lose sleep over this matter. Because God is fully in control. And as we close this morning, I think the eternity of God, or knowing that God is eternal, have got practical implications for us. Because it's good for us to think about this by way of reflection as we go home. And when I was thinking about how practical, how can I make this practical, not just only for me, but maybe for the person who is not saved, and also for the person who is a believer, how can they understand that God's eternity is very practical? It's something that they can apply to their lives. And the first thing actually I discovered about this is that for the Christian, God's eternity means that God, like I said, is always with me. So it's good to start with the Christian. It's practical. If God is an eternal God, then it means that he is always with me. There will never be a time this God will cease to be with me. There will never be a time I will look back and say that God is not there. There will never be a time I will look in my present and say that God is not there. And there will never be a time I will look to my future and not see that God is there for me in all the things that I go through. So that is a summary, like one practical application of understanding God's eternity and what it means for me. Not only is that very important, but if you also think about God's eternity, it means something for the person who is seeking after God. You know, there are people, we call them seekers today. Those who have not yet come into the church, but yet their heart is crying out for something. And what that tells me is that for God, being an eternal God, he has created eternity, that kind of desire to seek an eternal God in the heart of every human person that exists in the world today. Some may not understand this, but that is the reality. If you go to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and this is verse 11 in the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is what it tells us. It says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. And I love the second part of this scripture. It says, also he has put eternity in the hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So it tells you that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. So sometimes when you sense that dissatisfaction, 
Maybe someone that you're praying for, someone that you're talking to, and they are wondering, I really can't make sense of my life. There's a void, there's an emptiness. What is happening there is the eternal God creating a hunger in their hearts to reconnect with God. So God's eternity not only means something for me as a believer, but it means something for the person who is actually not yet a Christian because there's a longing in their hearts to find meaning and also to find purpose. And that is how eternity, God's eternal nature, becomes relevant to them. That's why when John was speaking, I think in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and verse 12, he says this, he says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. And then in verse 12, he says, he who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have Life. So you can see there, God is saying, this is how, for the seeker to come into this relationship, when you come to Jesus, he satisfies that hunger. He connects you back with God. He gives you that fullness of his presence. And then what happens? You come into this wonderful, saving relationship with him. And that results to eternal life. But what about the believer? You might ask me this morning. The person who doesn't know God. Is eternity relevant to this person? And the answer is yes. And why is it relevant? It's relevant because a day will come. Eternity means separation from God. Now, this is something that sometimes we don't like talking about. And for me as a person, sometimes when I think about it, it's like a burden on my heart. For those maybe who have rejected God in their knowledge, don't want to have anything to do with God. The reality is that God's eternity reminds them that a day will come when there will be a separation. When you go to the scriptures, there are loads of scripture that speaks about spending time and eternity with God. There are scriptures that talk about separation, the sheep from the goat. There are scriptures that talk about the wicked, what their end will be. And so for someone who have not accepted Jesus, or who have got no place for God in his life, eternity means separation from God. Eternity means a place where you not only be cut off from God, but a place that you spend the rest of your whatever life it is, as we say, this is a life there is, and that is a life that is to come. The reality is that we all will spend eternity somewhere, but the question is where. And that is the mystery of life. But God tells us, do you want to spend eternity in peace and joy? This is how to find it. But when we reject that way, then we are simply opening ourselves up to the next option and which is separation, which is condemnation, and which is eternal destruction, as the scripture tells us. And that's why when you are praying for someone who is living a life that have no regard for God, and they think they can get away with everything, God's eternal nature reminds me that a day of separation will come, not only for me, but for those who are seeking, and also for those who have not come to believe yet. So it's practical in terms of how he relates to me. It's practical in terms of how he relates to someone who is seeking and also practical to the person who doesn't even want to do, have anything to do with God. A day of separation will come. I remember when I got saved on that day, I remember the preacher asking us that simple question, where do you want to spend eternity? And it's a question that's always been on my heart. I know where I want to spend eternity. In the presence of God. And for someone who says, well, there is no God. He's still going to spend eternity. But the question is, where is he going to spend that eternity? If he's not in the presence of God, 
if he's not going to spend time and eternity with God, his maker and his creator, what option has he got? And the scripture clearly tells us where that end will be. And I pray that as we seek his face, as we come to him, that this concept of eternity will so dawn on our hearts that we are using the time that God has given us aright, but we are also reflecting for the life of those who don't yet know him and also for those who are seeking and responding to that cry in their hearts that God will draw them into a deeper relationship with him. Shall we just bow our hearts as we, as we thank him this morning for being an eternal God. Let's thank him because he is the one who exists outside of time. Let's thank him in our hearts because he has called us to redeem the time for the days are evil. How are you making use of the time that you have here on earth? A day will come when it will all come to an end. Will you stand before the eternal God justified or condemned? And we ask him this morning that in all that we do, let us keep our eyes on the cross. As we break the bread this morning and as we drink of the communion wine, let us, rem- let us remember that it was all about eternity that Jesus Christ came to bring us back to God. To build a bridge. To restore fellowship. For each one of us. And as we leave this place this morning. We pray that you will send us out of this place. In all that we do. In all that we say. Bearing eternity in our hearts. Teach us to love again. Teach us to embrace. Teach us to share of that which you have given to us. Teach us to make good use of the time that we have here on earth. No matter how long or how short it may be. This we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.